Hey everyone, Patch here with a, a very late episode of the Don't Go Outside podcast. Audacity messed up the um, the editing for this episode, so I had to start from scratch, which I wasn't too keen on doing at all, <laughs> if I'm honest with you. Um, I don't know if anyone is on the edge of their seat you know, waiting for each episode of this tiny little podcast to come out. But I wanted to put in a thing anyway. Say, sorry it's late. Uh, we already recorded a bit later than usual. Uh, me and Robin have both been very busy uh, the past wee month or so. So uh, we recorded late. And then the episode edit got lost. Thanks Audacity for that one. And then uh, my motivation to work on the episode just disappeared after that. I was like, oh, st- all that work. Um, so yeah, here, here's the episode finally done. So hope it was worth the wait. Um, yeah, enjoy. Oh, hey, you made it. We weren't sure anyone was able to get the broadcast. We found this huge vault full of... Cool things from before the event. Yeah, do you want to come check it out? No, Patch, I Hi. have a very pressing question for you. Is this going to be part of the episode? Should I do an episode intro? Or are we just. I, I'm just diving Is this preamble? into it. This is this could be preamble. This could be this could be episode material. But I feel that I mean I just need to ask you. I need to I need to get this out there. I need to get this information into the world to our listeners. To, All right. Well, to, welcome to, to the, the Don't Go Outside podcast. We're going to kick off right away. Robin has a burning question that you can't hold back. So I'm introing the podcast. If you're just joining us, which you are, you're about five seconds in, <laughs> Robin's going to ask me a question. What is it, Robin? Well, I mean, this is... It's so important. But what is your Desert Island crisps? If you were to choose three, you're allowed three packets of crisps, three types of crisps to take with you to a Desert Island. These are the last crisps you're ever going to be able to eat. The only crisps you'll ever be able to eat again. What crisps are you taking? I'm taking palm bears. Fuck you. Wow. 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 Okay. Intense. Uh, the salted ones. Ready salted palm bears. Mm-hmm. I'm taking uh, Walker's Max Paprika flavor. Oh, a good choice. And I'm taking the third one. I don't know. I'm taking... Uh, Onion rings. That was some pretty solid answering, considering I just put you on the spot there. Didn't expect it to be that quick. Uh, well, you know, I eat a lot of crisps, <laughs> uh, and I know talk what me, I like. Talk me through your palm bears choice there. I don't know. Palm bears are fucking delicious, man. They're so nice. They're light, uh, crispy, uh, salty, but not too salty. You know. And they have, they have like a weird, like almost umami flavor about them. That's like, it's salt, it's salty, but also a little bit 
kind of sweetie at the same time. I don't know. You've had palm bears before. You must know what I'm talking about. Yeah, they do have that sweet, salty, umami vibe going on. I imagine that's just all of the sugar and salt, probably. Yeah, not good for you at all. Uh, but they're and nice. They are delicious, though. Uh, the pa- that's why the packets are so tiny. You know, they are so small. It's like a you're talking like a twenty gram packet of crisps. It's yes, wild. it's a wee lunchbox treat. You know. Mm. Um. Yeah, Walker's Paprika Max. Those are just good. That's just a solid crisp. You know. That is. That's like a, that's a Boots meal deal crisp right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, onion rings. Just any any brand. Johnny's is fine. Store brand usually very good. Uh, unless we're talking Tesco's. Tesco's onion rings have a lot to answer for. They're not great, but uh, you know. Wow, brand. So so there's a specific Tesco Tesco onion rings are specifically shit. Yeah, they're just not as good. Co-op ones are good. Mm. Sainsbury's ones good. Uh, Sainsbury's ones actually are pretty damn good I had them recently they're they're nice they're like light you know yeah and like co-op ones are good they're like substantial and then you got Johnny's which is like you know Johnny's onion rings is the classic Scottish brand of onion ring they are classic that's and they, they Johnny's do what they do Tangy Toms as well I believe I don't know if I it's don't know Tangy brand. Toms are same, same company Golden Wonder I think mate Ooh, Although Tangy Toms are also very good. Tangy Toms, it's a banging crisp. What about you, mate? What are your Desert Island crisps? Have you put well, much thought into this? I'd get a scampy knickknack to, to start off. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. Then I would be going on, and then this is a rare one, but they are fucking great. Um, the Slight Lime, I can't remember if it's like Slightly Lime or something, the Lime Flavored Doritos. They are something else. Oh, man. yeah. Yeah, you you don't see them anymore though. You don't, you don't. Um, but they were they were just 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 nice. And I would actually follow up with, do you know Highlanders Ridge Crisps? Yeah, salt and vinegar Highlander. Oh, give me that. Those are good. Those are legit Scottish pack lunchbox crisps. That's exactly. That's I don't even a, know where you get straight them. from nineteen ninety five. Did, did Highlander go out of business? I'm pretty sure Highlander got, went out of business. Probably. I remember there being a huge hoo-ha. A hoo-ha? Well, but, you know... They're coming for our crisps. They'll take our tonics next. <laughs> like, nah, no one's going to touch tonics, mate. Don't worry about it. You can go to the tonics factory uh, for a tour, believe it or not. I'd love it. I'd love to. I'm going to do it. Maybe we should do... Don't <laughs> I'm going to do it. <laughs> Try I and stop me. I, I, I am doing it. Yeah, so I guess I guess I need to ask. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, this is probably you've been a vampire for like half a year now, so yeah, it's coming on six months. I mean, do you have like a vampire birthday after twelve months? Is this how it works? I guess you have your anniversary. Your, mm. I mean, I've not had mine yet. I've, I'm not even a year into my vampirism. Um, mm-hmm. so I don't know if you have like your. You have death days, birthdays, rebirth days, maybe anniversaries. Hmm. Uh, your blood um, bloodletting anniversary. I think because I think we could definitely host a little party in the vault. You know, like get get some of your your weird vampire friends rounds. Maybe yeah. get around some people we don't like for you. you know, <laughs> they could be especially for me. Here, this is something I I meant to bring up last time. I was I was editing the last 
episode and I referred to myself as a vampire gentleman, I'd like to retract that statement because I feel like vampire gentleman conjures up this image of uh, the kind of uh, weird virgin that might go to like a I don't know, he might have like a to- like a black top hat with goggles on it and maybe like a scraggly beard and too much dandruff in his long black greasy hair you know, maybe like attends like a steampunk convention might refer to himself as a vampire gentleman I want to retract that statement say I'm not a vampire gentleman, I'm just a vampire um, to be honest, I don't actually think you needed to contextualise it with words. I think just reiterating the phrase vampire gentleman tells everyone everything they need to know. Yeah. Um, I can't believe I let that one slide. I know, um, it was pretty, pretty bad on your part. Oh, yeah, I, I blame myself, to <laughs> I am not a gentleman, I'm just a vampire, just doing his darndest. <laughs> just living, living your life. Just living my life, a vampire dude, maybe. <laughs> Vampire, vampire dude. What's up, vampire um, dudes? So, other than other than the uh, the, the, the vampire gentleman retraction, <laughs> um, do, do you have any follow up from the previous episode? Um, yeah, no, not really. I covered we covered Giri Haji last episode. I finished it. It finished in a very bizarre manner that I believe yep. I panic texted you about. He did. I was like, why is Giri Haji ending with an interpretive dance sequence? That seems to sum up the entire series. It was very strange. Um, kind of came out of nowhere. Because you did tell me when we first started talking about it that, that, that it's quite a strange series. It's quite bizarre. Yeah. And I was like, there's nothing too out of line here. You know, it's pretty standard gritty cop drama. With some cool, like, animated, like, recaps, which I really mm-hmm. liked. Um, and obviously, like, the Rent Boy character, he is, he talks to the ghost of his, uh, of his ex-boyfriend. But he's not really there, it's, that's more of, like, a metaphor for what's going on, on inside his head, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, that really threw me for a loop when, uh, I won't spoil it if anyone's gonna watch it, but... It does end, and it does doesn't end in an interpretive dance sequence. But I think it's like middle of the last episode. Uh, it's pretty close to the end, yeah. Yeah, it, it's on a rooftop in London, and suddenly, yeah, there's just a very dramatic, serious dance sequence um, that kind of thematically sums up the series so far. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. strange. I like how it ends. For the characters, kind of ambiguously, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to go too much into it because we spoke about it quite a lot last last episode. But yeah, no, I finished Giri Haji. It was good. I would recommend. Good show. It is a good show, and I think we have Giri Hajed enough. Yes. Um. So if Hajj enough, anything, we have Hajed <laughs> enough with Giri. Uh, uh, excuse me. So if uh, if there's no other follow up, let's let's dive into what have you been what have you been consuming? What media have you been uh, absorbing? What have you been engaging with? What have I since been up the previous to? episode? Tell me, tell me about everything that has crossed your eyelids and ear holes. Uh, well, way back, pretty much as soon as the last episode came out, which was a wee while ago, um, we. I started playing Yakuza 0, which is a game oh, I've right. had on my 
backlog for ages. I bought it maybe like a year ago. I bought Yakuza 0 and I bought The Witcher 3 uh, together because they're like £15 each. And I thought I'll buy two classic games that everyone keeps going on about. Uh, But they're both huge RPGs uh, that take hundreds of hours to complete. So I could only really pick one. Uh, so I went for The Witcher 3. So I'm now finally catching up with Yakuza 0. And uh, it's a very good game. I kind of... I sort of started playing it. Thinking I'm sick of buying games. I buy games far too often. I've got tons of stuff in my backlog. I'm not going to buy any games until Yakuza 0 is finished. Uh, which I was able to, to, to stick with that pledge for about two weeks. I've still not completed Yakuza 0. I'm about 45 hours in. Uh, it's massive. It's, it's huge. Um, it's like tells two different... Protag- There's two different protagonists. Their stories are told alongside each other in about two chapters each. So you'll get two chapters of uh, one character and then two chapters of the other character. And both stories are kind of linked, but that doesn't really come into... You know, you know they're linked somehow. But the game doesn't give it away until about maybe, you know, 30 hours in. Like, you've played a whole of one game and it, like, ends on this cliffhanger. And you're like, oh, that's how they're connected. And then the game kind of keeps going. You're like, alright, cool, we can see this through. It's great. It's huge, but it doesn't feel like a drag, if you know what I mean. Wow. That, I mean, that's pretty incredible for a game of that length to manage it and not feel like a drag. Yeah. There's some bits that do... It feels... Okay, I'll say that it does feel like a dragon that... you When you sit down to play it, you never know quite how long you're going to be playing for. Because it's... Being a, a Japanese RPG, there are like 20 minute long cutscenes. And you never know when you sit down to play it... Whether you're just going to be doing a bunch of side missions, which are all really fun. Or whether you're going to be sitting down for like an hour... An hour's worth of like dialogue and exposition. It's it's just mm. a random. <laughs> it's like a it's like a potluck of gameplay. It's like, am I going to be managing my businesses in Tokyo, or am I going to be sitting watching a serious uh, yakuza drama? Uh, both wow. are good, but you just never know. I think you have to. I think I have to be in a certain mindset to play it. Like set aside a Sunday afternoon to say, right, I'm playing yakuza today, uh, and I'm not gonna, and I'm just gonna focus on that because you need a couple of hours to actually sit and play it. I mean, you do for most games, but for Yakuza, it definitely feels like you need to focus on it, you know? So, like, it demands your attention. Yes, yes, yes. I've ne- I've never played any of the Yakuza games whatsoever, um, but it seems to me it's one of these series that the people who are into them are really into them, you know? Yeah, They're as a lyrical forward. about them. Yeah, and this is the first one I've played, uh, just because I think it's quote-unquote the best one so far at least it was when it came out and it's a prequel as well so i imagine having played if you'd played a bunch of the series before you'd you'd get all these little nods and references to stuff that's going to happen in the future but because i think it's i think it's the first yakuza game that was released in the west i could be completely wrong about that but this is a series that's notoriously been very like we're only releasing it in Japan because Western audiences won't understand it. Uh, and then Yakuza 0 kind of got really popular. And it's mm. introduced a lot of 
Western players to the series. Um, so it's good. Like, so I think I'm not alone in being like I don't know any of these characters, which I think is good that they've decided to go with a prequel for the like Western release. And I think more and more uh, newer ga- the older games are being remastered and released uh, on the PlayStation Store. Um, but yeah, it's bonkers. It's a it's a mental game. On one side is a very serious, gritty Yakuza drama where, you know, you have conspiracy to, to murder and take over small businesses and cutting your fingers off and getting in brutal fist fights. And then, like, half an hour later, you're, like, sitting in an arcade uh, playing Outrun, playing the claw game so you can, like, win a soft toy for this wee girl who just hangs outside the arcade all day. Uh, you're going on like fake dates to prove to to prove to this girl's dad that she does in fact have a boyfriend. Uh, running uh, clubs, it's, it's just a huge variety of like weird, random, mixed themes. It's like I don't know. It's you kind of just have to play it to, to you have to play it to believe it, Robin. Play it to believe it. I did yeah. watch the um, zero punctuation review on it, and he uh, he kind of said some. He made some similar notes in the sense that it's very, it's all over the place, but it still manages to be sort of somewhat cohesive, which is nice, I guess. Yeah. Um, you're funny to funny to see it alongside Giri Haji because that kind of has a <laughs> that has a similar sort of vibe to it. That's true. Yeah. I mean, you're not totally taken out of it, you know, uh, when the when the tone does switch, which is nice. You're able to believe very well that this cold-blooded murderer could also be really into, uh, you know, breakdancing and, (laughs) you know, going on uh, wacky wee adventures. It's good. You know, uh, there's, like, side quests that take forever. You know, it's one of those. It's like, you'll you'll spend, like, a couple hours just doing a side quest because you can't can't really skip the dialogue uh, to be like, oh, come on, no, I understand what's at stake here. Let's just get to it. It's like, no, you have to sit and watch all this filler. Wow, which is fine, you know. You know what you're getting. You know, once you're once you're twenty hours in, <laughs> once you're twenty <laughs> hours in, you know what you're getting. Yeah, you've accepted it. Yeah, no, it's good. So it's it's kind of my ongoing project. Uh, like I said, you know, I was like, I'm not pay- I'm not buying a single other game until Yakuza Zero is finished. Uh, but yeah, then two weeks later, I bought uh, XCOM Two. Uh, and you're buying such, you're buying such enormous games as well. I know. I'm done. I'm like I'm done with XCOM too as well. I don't even really want to talk about it because I feel like everyone knows XCOM's had tons of screen time in terms of people knowing about it. Uh, yeah. So yeah, XCOM two. I bought expansions for Frostpunk. Uh, yeah, it's just it's a whole bunch of stuff. I, I just to distract myself from the Yakuza, but that's the Yakuza is a game I keep going back to, and it's always on in the background. You know, always, always on in the background in a sense of it's actually always on, or always on in the background is you're always dipping back in. You know, adding throwing in a couple hours there. Oh yeah, no, just just dipping in. Right. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice just to have. It's nice that I've kind of got that to go back to. I think the issue before was that. I stopped playing it for like a year and I'd totally forgotten mm-hmm. what was going on. So now I'm kind of... Now I kind of have a better idea of the story um, and I can kind of go back to it and be like, oh yeah, this is where I was. Very useful as well that 
the developers clearly know that people are going to lose track of what's going on because you are playing as two, you're playing essentially two different stories. So every time you switch back to the to the previous character, it does like a previously on thing, which is really good. Um, That's really good. So That's yeah. really really good. So it does feel a bit like a TV show, you know. Hmm. Uh, the cinematics are all really good. Very minimal on the quick time events. A lot of the fighting you have to do yourself, and then it'll you know oh, cut to. That's what I like to hear that. Yeah, and then every now and then it will cut to a little cinematic cutscene just to have, just because they wanted to throw in a cool bit of action, and you know they've earned it. You know, at that point, it's like, oh, you're gonna dive through a window off a balcony. It's like, yeah, great. Just give me that quick time scene. I'll, I'll happily do it. Um, so yeah. Um, and this series doesn't seem to give a damn about um, what's the what's the phrase now? Ludo narrative dissonance. Like this, do you, do you know you're familiar? Do you know the concept of ludo narrative dissonance? That I feel like Naughty Dog were seeming trying to distance themselves from so heavily with um I have with the last no of idea of what that term means. Okay, I figured it'd be something you'd be buying into. So ludo narrative dissonance is just to take a quick sidebar here. Ludonarrative dissonance is the idea that, uh, well, to take the example of, of the Uncharted games, where you're a plucky adventurer, Indiana Jones style, going through all these temples, uh, finding treasure, but like in the midst of all that, you're also like murdering like hundreds of henchmen just in cold blood, and it's never addressed in the, it's never right, addressed okay. in the narrative. So what Naughty Dog have done is they with The Last of Us 2, they've kind of taken the idea of ludonarrative dissonance and uh, run with it and be like, oh, so so what are the consequences of having murdered dozens of people through the course of this story? That pays off in The Last of Us 2. Whereas in right. Yakuza 0, like, they just don't give a fuck about it, which I think is hilarious because you are just getting in, in massive fistfights with tons of Yakuza henchmen doing, like, insane fighting moves where you're smashing bins over people's heads, throwing them over bridges, <laughs> like getting shot at constantly and it's just it's just wacky like over the top violence which really really suits the style and I mm-hmm. think having I think the, it was in my mind a lot because I went from playing The Last of Us 2 which is very gritty and grounded to playing Yakuza 0 which is just like yeah just fucking throw people around, Th- use a man to hit another man, throw bikes at people <laughs> You know, learn use breakdancing to fight. It's like, yeah, it just ta- it just doesn't even consider the ludo narrative dissonance option, which I love, which is very refreshing from you know the very upsetting seriousness of The Last of Us Two, which I also liked. But you know, there's a time and a place. I think. Have you got Have you got much more? Or is that Is that covered your uh, covered your <laughs> what you've been playing? Uh. Well, I've been as I say, I've been playing other stuff, but I feel like I had the most to say about Yakuza Zero, you know, mm-hmm. because yeah, there's not much more I can say on Frostpunk. I played the expansions; they're both very good. It's just more of the same winter survival mm-hmm. stuff. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, have you been? Have you had the chance to play anything in your in your downtime? I've not been playing anything, but I have been keeping up on a certain game, which. Uh, Manages to fit into the sort of like uh, casual watching a streamer game perfectly. Sure. And this is the new Devolver Digital release, Fall Guys. Oh yeah, um, Fall Guys. Sure. Which 
it is has become insanely popular very very quickly yes now just set the scene for anyone who's not seen this or played it it's basically a game version of you know sort of ninja warrior total wipeout kind of round games Cassie's castle and it's a ba- in a sort of battle royale setting um and you play as like a silly little bean model and then you run through obstacle courses play various games and then there's one winner at the game at the end you start with 60 you end up with one super simple quick games that last only about 15 minutes and it was produced by as i say devolver digital who seem to just only make good games um my favorite one was uh enter the gungeon but they've made so bloody many oh since enter the gungeon like totally they've they've made they've made tons Mm -hmm. um so uh, i've been watching this and it is perfect streamer material because you can just sit back watch a streamer play a couple rounds put it on the background when you're doing something else brilliant um but the popularity of the game is absolutely incredible because if you someone did some quick back of the fag packet maths and they've made something like 98 million out of this already yeah no it, it's it, it did very well very quickly very for like for the scope of the game that's insanity um so i'm i'm just happy that devolver are doing well happy they've released a new interesting game and happy that that was a uh, that was available for me to to watch because it's it's just a it's just a great time great time um beyond that i have watched a couple of films which i had thoughts about but just very brief thoughts not 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 long-winded ones mm-hmm. i watched tropic thunder have you ever seen this oh not for not for a little while um yeah i, I think i must have watched it maybe when it came out but i haven't really watched it since then I watched this just because that, that I was staying at a friend's house. He had that on DVD, and he was like, "Robin, you need to watch this because you won't believe that someone let this get made." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, no, no, sh- surely, surely not." It was released. I mean, it wasn't released that long ago. I was like, "Mate," he was like, "Mate, you need to watch it." So I did, and my goodness! So *Tropic Thunder* is produced by Ben Stiller, and it has Robert Downey Jr. doing blackface. Yeah, and um, Tom Cruise wearing a big Jewish stereotype fat suit. Uh huh. It's 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 just it's pretty bizarre. And it, it like it, it's, it boggles the mind. It's like they've almost leaned so far into it that it becomes kind of okay. But I just, I don't I don't know how how I feel about it. It's just well, yeah, I know. I think incredible. Yeah, but I think that's kind of part of the the joke. I think is mm-hmm. I think they lean very heavily into like Robert Downey Jr. is playing the kind of character that would do that and isn't that outrageous and they do they do address it because I think that's the point of yeah. the character um, I totally forgot Tom Cruise was in it to be honest Tom Cruise is in it being a, playing a big, big yeah he plays like, the producer fat. guy yeah 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 <laughs> forgot about that um, um, but yeah, it was just just it was great to watch it as a piece of Hollywood history and being like, this got signed off. Someone put millions of dollars behind this. That's amazing. Yeah, not that long ago. Cr- as just you say. insanity. Yeah. Um. So I watched that and I was amazed at that. And I also watched Jurassic Park, the original Jurassic Park. Oh my word! What a film! That's a classic. Spielberg, man. love it. Ah, oh, that stands up so well. Such a good film. Yeah, man. 
Jurassic Park. That opening scene with the Velociraptors. Holy moly. That's uh, that's something pretty intense. Yeah, I mean, when you watch that compared to, like, the newer ones, like the first two new ones, which are all right. But, like, yeah, the Mm -hmm. first one's just lightning in a bottle, I think, that they've been trying to recapture since the first one came out. It is, and watching, I would recommend anyone watches that back because you, I had forgotten how good it was. So in my head, I'd always thought, you know, Jurassic Park, really good film. Mm. But when, upon rewatching it, I was like, this is really, really good. This is much better. Like, my brain had decayed how good it was, you sure, know? Sure, sure, yeah. Um, so, yeah, anyone, go back, watch Jurassic Park, it's incredible. Also, the animatronics in it, whoa, wow, physical physical effects, just incredible. Yeah, the, the special effects hold up, they really do. Mm-hmm. Um, they do. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to go back and, like, funny you should mention going back and watching things that you'd kind of archived in the back of your head. I, last night, only last night, I, re- I re-watched uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> wow. Uh, because the new one uh, is out. In America, you can you can stream it. Uh, you know, oh like, my you goodness, buy it. really? Uh, and it's coming out in the UK. Uh, time of recording is coming out in like two weeks in the UK. You can actually oh, go to I a can't... cinema for the first time since the pandemic closed everything down. Uh, I'm very tempted to make uh, Bill and Ted's uh, third movie. I can't remember what the subtitle is. Very tempted to make the new Bill and Ted movie my first cinema outing <laughs> after pandemic because I loved those movies growing be, up, man. I would be so up for that because the Bill and Ted films are were incredible. They were great fun, great fun, really good. Yeah, so I rewatched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure last night, and yeah, it holds up, man. It's it's funny. It's it's good. It's really good. Um, I think I might give that a rewatch because I've kind of forgotten what happens in it, but I remember having a real good time. It's uh, yeah. It's good. I might watch the second one soon. It's weird because, yeah, I I was kind of halfway through watching another film and it was just too long and I was like, oh, this is boring. <laughs> I'll put Bill and Ted on because I've, I've people because that's that's kind of in the zeitgeist at the moment, you know. And I was yeah. like, yeah, let's let's get Bill and Ted on. Um, so it's good. It's really good, man. Uh, well, like an hour and a half, you know, short, short and sweet. I think just a lot of the films I've been watching recently have been like epic dramas that are like two hours long, and I was like, I can't, I can't do that. Do another one of these. <laughs> I can't, I can't do another mm. one. Uh, yeah. Well, but uh, speaking, speaking of, sorry. let's let's try and do the link together at the same time. Let's go. Speaking, S- speaking of, of Bill and Ted. <laughs> That's not where I was going. <laughs> okay, uh, you you intro in because I don't know which one you want to do first. Uh, oh, are we gonna do? Are we gonna do the things that we've both watched? Things that we've co- yeah. that we've collabed on. Uh, let's dive into it, man. Let's dive straight into it. Why not? Um, sorry, I just let me take a stretch. Or... You have a little stretch. I'm so I'll have sleepy. A hydration. I'm so sorry, Robin. It's okay. Look, look, man. See as soon as you get me started on fucking Harley Quinn, I'm good to go. Well, that's that's as good an intro as any. We, uh, I, I told Robin a few weeks ago. I was like, listen, there's a Harley Quinn cartoon series out, and it's actually really, really good. And um, yeah, I think Robin was maybe right to be cynical and be like, oh, I don't know, is it? Because we went to watch. Uh, Batman and Harley Quinn, the the animated movie in cinemas, and it was mm-hmm. it was a bit rubbish. 
Uh, but I was it like, was. nah, man, come on. Harley Quinn, it's good. DC animated stuff. It's like an 80% sure shot. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and uh, all this is a rambly lead up to say that it is one of our topics of the week uh, Harley Quinn that's the title uh, it of is. it <laughs> no subtitle Harley Quinn the no subtitle animated no TV birds series of, birds of escape of uh, fantabulous something another 16 words that are unnecessary um the Harley Quinn animated uh, animated series. There's there's two two seasons that have been released at this point, and you absolutely and slammed it, it. I did. I I watched the full two seasons, both 13, 13 episodes long, <laughs> and twenty to thirty minutes per episode. I slammed that in two days. Good on you, man. Um, I know. I've still not even uh, finished. Far, it. Mate, you need to need to get a finish. I think anyway. I'm about two episodes away, but yeah. Um, now the Harley Harley Quinn animated series is not part of the DC animated universe. It's not part of that. So it's not part of the stuff with Flashpoint Paradox. It's not. Um, what's the word? It's not canon with those. Sure. Um, it is kind of just a standalone thing, like almost a one shot. Yeah, but this means um, it has the luxury of just picking and choosing little bits of lore that it needs oh, for the story which is great you know i love stuff like that so it's um it's not directly related to any of the other stories it is just a one shot but i suppose the most the, the easiest way to explain it to someone who was just coming in and just jumping in on this is it's the incarnation of harley quinn that is in suicide squad and in in the birds of prey most recent birds of prey film um, that Harley Quinn in an animated series, but that just does this series such a disservice, such a disservice. So Harley Quinn in this has the, the opening is she's broken up with the Joker or attempting to break up with the Joker. The first season is the story arc of that breakup and and what happens in her mad adventures along the way. Mm-hmm. Um. The second season is more to do with Harley Quinn's relationship with her friends. Um, so they're both very, very good and very simple story arcs when you break it down. Yeah. It's a breakup story and then a story about friendship. <laughs> that's it. And I think that's actually the beauty of it. Because what they've kind of done um, throughout the, throughout the se- seasons is... They've just said, right, okay, what parts of DC lore, DC characters, can we pull in to make this story arc function? We'll just pull them in and make it work. And it's got, it sort of just holds in general tone overall, which I just adored. Um, I think that there's there's a couple of things that I really, really get on board with and really like, and... It's self-aware without being cynical. Now, I have sort of... You can have sort of like your Deadpool where it's, you know, just wild fourth wall breaking and it's really cynical and it's a bit sort of like... It's a bit mean about the the media that it's trying to rib on in a kind of roasty way, which I get, I get. But Harley Quinn seems to do it in a sort of like... We know this is a bit silly. It's all a bit silly, but the characters in this interpret it in a silly way, um, which which I enjoy. Like Condiment King, for example, 
is a is a real he's a real character. He exists. Yeah, in the all, DC all the characters, all the villains that you see, they're oh, real villains. Kite Man, uh, he's who becomes like a, I like I wasn't expecting Kite Man to become such an integral part of the series. <laughs> like no. him and him and Poison so Ivy hooking up uh, is great. Minor spoilers uh, for this show, by the way, but you know we won't get we won't get hugely into it. But yeah. Kite Man and Poison Ivy hook up and that's a really good arc for them because she's a bit embarrassed because Kite Man's a crap villain but you know he's a bit I love how like overly confident he is in like his abilities being yeah. like I just have a kite what more do you need <laughs> you know <laughs> um, I got a kite yeah and uh, the whole Jim Gordon being like basically like a failure at this point he's he's peaked and yeah. this show takes place kind of well into the Batman mythos. So J- so Jim Gordon has come to rely on Batman like far too much uh, and mm-hmm. has ruined kind of his career and his marriage and everything. Uh, and I like how you kind of follow his arc a little bit. It's sort of like, it's a slow arc. It's like, covers the two seasons. But yeah, uh, I just love all the character work in this. It's really good. Like the amount of effort and thought they put into not just Harley focusing on Harley Quinn, but in the background, how does each character develop and how do their arcs uh, carry on throughout the series? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's um, good. And I like to see some lesser known people. Like I, re- I really like King Shark as a character now. I didn't really, <laughs> I didn't really know that he was, that he existed until this series. And I was like, King Shark. What's... So I read up into him and was like, oh, he's actually legit really cool. Uh, so yeah, I like how he's, kind of super pacifist talking about how he hates being used just as muscle while he's biting a guy's head off <laughs> yeah it's... Great. like i wish someone could use me for my mind just once this bites the guy's head off <laughs> um super violent think, this show uh, though eh su- super violent i keep forgetting like, ultra violent like shockingly um, so but like it's not like I'm not about to write any angry letters about it but like sometimes it just you just kind of forget that like you because you're used to oh, I'm watching a cartoon show whatever but then yeah people's like legs get broken like in a, like horrific ways uh, yeah it's, it's crazy huh well I think that's I do think that that's deliberate now if you look at traditional superhero superhero media mm-hmm. it is it, it right it's um available to all audiences I can't remember it, you know it's like PG man um but it's totally so serious. My God, the world's going to end. And then you see stuff like, you know, villains getting thrown through buildings and stuff that would cause enormous violence and collateral damage. Sure. But somehow it's totally fine. And But the mood is super, super serious, but they're not actually showing any of the seriousness. But in this, it's almost kind of reversed in the sense that the violence is right there for you to see. It's right in front of your face. But everyone in it is just like, you know, it's just how it is. Yeah. Just completely flipping just the way of toward the, the violence. I mean, with your recent change to vampirism, how's it been going at the Thunderdome? I'm cleaning up, quite literally, at the Thunderdome. Uh, can't be stopped. Uh, none of the Wastelanders have... I've gone from being a bodyguard to being a contender... Uh, none of the wastelanders have thought to bring wooden stakes into the into the arena, so that's really worked in my favor. You know, the superhuman strength, the ability to fly, uh, the phasing in and out of uh, mist form, 
just really gives me an edge when it comes to fighting uh, mutants and hand-to-hand combat, you know? So we can't all be like Patch in his success in Thunderdome without any kind of weapons, just with our bare claws. Some of us need to receive weapons, perhaps on a monthly basis, and today you can. If you use the offer code 15 don't go outside Thunderdome at dollarglaveclub.com, you'll receive new and fresh Thunderdome weapons every single month. These can range from razor blades stuck in a bat, chains attached to a tire, or even one big bat with a mutant skull on top. We've got it all. So with Dollar Glaive Club, we'll be able to help you out with every murder you make. Something I do really enjoy about about it as well is it's a, it's a loser story, and I always like stories about losers. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like I, I I don't know. I think this was something they tried to do with the Suicide Squad film and just didn't. Because it's oh, like, sure. oh yeah, they're losers, but then it's just like, oh no, but they're actually, we're actually trying to make them super cool. Yeah. Whereas in Harley Quinn, it was like, no, no, they're actually, they're actually just losers. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Nobody wants <laughs> they to live on their, their team. Uh, they can't yeah. get a job in the Legion of Doom, uh, even though they're desperate to kind of like get fame and fortune. They're like, they have to live in like a, in an abandoned mall. It's good. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, um. I got um I got very strong One Punch Man vibes from it. Oh yeah, no, the, yeah, there's a bit of that kind of tone in there. Yeah, where like mm-hmm. there's a serious superhero story going on somewhere. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, this is the part of the world where yeah they're just kind of goofing off and trying to make a name for themselves and kind of not constantly failing, but not maybe doing as well as they should be. Um, and yeah, it kind of goes into kind of the aftermath of a lot of these serious superhero stories, like um, the is it the mother of fables? Is that her name? Like the yeah, yeah, the fairy yeah. tale queen who got cursed to live in the ta- in the tax book, <laughs> which I thought was really good. It's like, oh yeah, what happens after that? It's like oh well, she just goes on to to work in an insurance office, but as a book, uh, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> a talking book. Um, I do. I did really enjoy. I I, I did touch on the self awareness, but I did really enjoy. They just opened an episode with like a five minute roast of you know like nerds who get really upset about it. Oh yeah, yeah, um, that was good. <laughs> just, just like wow, like that's just brutal but mm-hmm. hilarious. Um, they opened the episode with uh, just two guys sitting on a couch, and one of them's getting really pissed off about you know, this not being true to the lore, and they just roast them. It's it's great fun. Yeah. Um, I, I, I wouldn't... I like that they didn't overuse that as well. It was kind of... They did it twice, and that was it. That's that's the only times they sort of directly broke the fourth wall. Yeah, I think good to address... Um, I think good to address that criticism of the show, like, once. Mm-hmm. But then I think, yeah, there there's a danger of leaning into it too heavily and then yeah. becoming almost too self-righteous in a way because the show does deal with uh kind of what the show deals with kind of female relationships in a way that's very super mature and in a way that's not traditionally like like i think we've spoken about this with uh i think lord of the rings we talked about this ages ago where it's like hmm. two two male friends can't just be pals. You have to make jokes about them 
being gay together. And it's like, you know, it, it does deal with the relationship of Harley and Ivy in a mature way. And I guess Harley does fall for Ivy a little bit mm-hmm. in a way, but that's kind of, it's not gratuitous. Uh, and I think yeah. that's maybe what some of the criticisms, criticism of the show was about and I'm glad they addressed it in a way that's like no it's just this is just a mature story about like adult relationships and feelings and 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 just making friends in your you know in later life um yeah I totally I totally got on board with it and it's I think that's it it's it's just dealing with adult relationships it's kind of that, that's that's what it's talking about and not a lot, a lot of shows ways. do that these days, not a lot. I find it. This is what blew my mind throughout it. The fact that I was like, "Is this this fucking silly cartoon that's deliberately being silly and gratuitous with violence? How is this dealing with a lot of the serious tones which it touches on, like you know, breaking up with a long-term partner, or forging new relationships, or dealing with your place in the world, or be start entering your thirties?" How is it dealing it with a better be, dealing with it better than a lot of like you know mainstream media? This is, I mean, way more mature than the likes of you know any other similar budget stuff uh, sitcoms or mm. anything like that. Um, I, I, I articulated that badly, but what I'm saying is basically it manages to deal with these ad, more adult themes way better than stuff that's actually specifically aimed at dealing with these adult themes. Yeah, like Just, um, not to call out any shows specifically but like your new girls and your How I Met Your Mothers that kind of thing. Um, I was going to mention a certain other thing that Kelly Kuoku was involved in but I thought I'd just pull back from that. Don't want to upset anyone too much. <laughs> you don't want to speak the name of the beast? I don't, I don't want to say lest that we loud, summon, Lest we summon him. Sheldon some bazingas my time. <laughs> oh my god, it's the bazinga monster. Um, god shit. If you say it's like it's like gremlins in this vault. If you say bazinga, I don't know, then they, they crawl out and then you can't feed them after ten. I don't know. This I is think you're thinking involved. of the horror character Candyman. <laughs> where if you say his name in a mirror five times, he appears to kill you. Um it just yeah, uh, that that's exactly what I'm thinking. <laughs> Which um, is getting a remake, uh, a Jordan Peele fronted remake. A Jordan Peele remake. But yeah. why didn't we say that later? That'd be an excellent segue. Well, just but... just listeners, keep the name Jordan Peele in your mind because it'll become very useful keep, in a few minutes. Keep your eyes peeled. But I um, want to keep talking about Harley Quinn just for a little bit because it's a good show, man. Really surprised me. How good it was! It really surprised me. It sucker punched me with how good it was. It aired. Um, it aired in the UK back in March when season four of Rick and Morty was on uh, E4. Um, it was on at the. It was on around the same time as the new season of Rick and Morty. So I was watching. <laughs> I started watching that as well, being like, "Oh, if you like Rick and Morty, then you'll like Harley Quinn." And I was like, "Oh, here we go." animated show trying to be the next Rick and Morty I've seen two dozen of these and they're all fucking shit so I started watching Harley (laughs) Quinn and I was like oh okay cool this is actually really good I was worried it would just be a lot of like uh, extreme violence and fart jokes and Mm -hmm. swears for the sake of just for the sake of doing it and being like hey hello fellow kids look at the look at the clown lady do the swear Uh, I mean they do swear a lot yeah but it's not like but it's it's not for this 
Yeah, but it's no, it's not. But this is different, Rob. It's just. I'm just saying, just saying. Like, I mean, the 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 f's per minute is pretty high. Yeah, but you know, you you, I believe it. <laughs> you know, no it, no, it does. It does make sense. It works. And, well, I guess, I guess, actually, a, a lot of the things that I liked about it is the fact that it depicts the normalcy of contemporary adult behavior well. Now, yes, we're actually, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, like. Yeah. We're both we're both sort of in the same age group. We're in that sort of like around thirty category, mm-hmm. and see the way we talk to each other. I mean, off air, I, I tend to I, I tend to put on my podcaster voice here, but the way you talk to each other, I mean, you do swear that much. You don't you even do notice behave it. Behave really, like you? that, um, and you you talk like that, and it, it sort of captures that parlance. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I did notice. And I actually, I went back and rewatched uh, rewatched the episode and rewatched the video that I'm going to mention. Is um, phone usage? It is the most natural and real depiction of how people use smartphones that I've ever seen in a piece of media. Oh yeah, I, I like yeah, big time. So I watched uh, Nerd Writer, everyone's favorite. We probably mention him like once every three shows. <laughs> Steal your girl, Nerd Writer. So he released a video on uh, the use of mobile phones and why why there aren't any mobile phones in modern media. Uh-huh. And he, he makes loads and loads of different examples. And he made this back in 2018. And he made one of the examples he made was Avengers. And the only reference, I think, the one of the only references, if not the only one, to an actual mobile phone was Tony Stark the most technic- technologically advanced human being on the planet yeah. using a flip phone. Really? Uh, it, yeah, honest to God, like go back and watch Nerdwriter video. It'll blow your goddamn mind. But the point is... So is he saying he like the, they never use their phones or is he saying like nobody mentions their phones? He's saying, he's saying basically... Um, he, he uses a quote from, from uh, some... Uh, a, a, a film writer that I can't remember the name of at the moment, but basically he talks about the idea that, that in fantasy we want to pretend that we don't have the things we don't like, and I th- a lot of people don't think phones are very glamorous. Sure. So in film and in media, we just cut them out and pretend they're not there, um, and and that's not a realistic depiction. And then we get to bloody Harley Quinn, where you're you're you've got a. a, a a cartoon clown with a bunch of superheroes and they actually use smartphones like we use them. Now, just to go on a specific a spe- specific example. Yeah. Um there's one moment where she Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy have fallen out. And Poison Ivy receives a text from Harley Quinn explaining why she stood her up, why she hasn't met her to the particular event she was going sure. to. And what Harley Quinn has actually done is basically chin her off so she can go on a date with the Joker. Now, I realize this sounds like a, a whole he said, she said story, but it is, it's part of the normalcy of this is part of it. Uh-huh. And she texts she texts Poison Ivy saying, uh, oh, really sorry, work stuff came up, sad face. Yeah. And then Poison Ivy reads this, reads this um, message and says, oh... Um, uh, work stuff came up. Oh, she put a sad face. That must mean it's real, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
what this is just a tiny thing and maybe I'm I'm reading into it far too much but what it shows is we've all received a text message like that uh-huh. we've all sent text messages like that when it's not we 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 you put on that little spin on it to say that oh I don't really want to do this but in actual fact you're either just bumping it off or your anxiety's too great for you to say just say no sure, you know yeah yeah and that's it's just such a real human moment in 2020 that they managed to capture and they didn't even they didn't they didn't go into it they didn't dig into it but the fact that they managed to display that just shows how in touch it is with with common parlance now yeah no that's true they do seem to like yeah that's a good point because you don't really notice it until you like until like you say bring it up and i think it does help it does all the dialogue and the usage of technology and and the the world that the showrunners have built feels very natural and very real despite the fact it's Gotham City and it doesn't exist and there's supervillains everywhere uh, it does yeah. it does feel very believable you know which is which is a weird thing to say like i said it's you know there's a character called king shark who's like a man shark and there's clayface but yeah you know they watch daytime tv like all the time there's like i love how they're always trying to you know, there's always the the show in the background is like a mix between like Oprah and like the Ellen show and superheroes are always going on it giving like interviews and stuff. Yeah. And that's like where they're always going there to try and clear their name uh, to go on this one show. Um, and yeah, it does feel, yeah, it feels real, man. And that's what I think it's, they've done a really good job, uh, the writers of the show, to kind of make it feel like a believable world um, and have I, the relationships think- and the dialogue feel natural as well. I think that's it, and it's it's weird to say in a superhero thing, but I think what makes it special is the n- the normal things they did right, the everyday stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not the bombastic action or the bloody. I mean, maybe that's that's the whole point of it. The fact that they get um, what's what's DC Thanos called? Oh, uh, Dark Seed, Dark, dark Side, Dark Seed. The fact is, like Dark, he's like the big bad guy, uh-huh. and he just kind of crops up, and no one really cares. Yeah, and it's like that's so. It's almost like it's more focused on making the normality seem so real. I d- I'm not sure. I think the beauty of it is the normality feels real and it feels entertaining. You're being entertained by normality done well. Yeah. Um. But yeah, just just fantastic. So I would highly recommend. Go watch it. Do you have any other closing points on? Harley Quinn. No, I think we pretty much covered it all. Uh, Harley Quinn is a good TV show. Uh, you'll be surprised at how good it is, I think, if you go and watch it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's great. If you want something new to watch, uh, get on it, man. It's good. Uh, there's two seasons out. Uh, you can find it somewhere online. It was on uh, all four uh, if you're in the UK, uh, but now it's not. So... Pfft. I, I don't reckon anyone's watching it <laughs> you know it's one of those shows that you find and you're like I don't think anyone's talking or watching this show so yeah I think, I think, it, I think it flew under the radar yeah like. I reckon it's good and I think it's a lot to do with like I said it aired at the same time as Rick and Morty so maybe that was taking all of the focus but where do you put a show like this is what what I want to know you know it's like an animated apart from Netflix which does have a we've we spoke about it very recently which does have quite a catalogue of mature adult <laughs> yeah. TV animated shows like Bojack Horseman 
Um, like, where do you put Harley Quinn in in the TV space? Um, yeah, I just feel like we might not see another series of it, but you'd you'd be surprised, you know. You 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 know what? It, if it ends at the end, I think it ends fine. I'm happy with that. Cool. Uh, two seasons, two solid seasons. If they don't go beyond that, that's fine with me because it was two solid seasons. Sick. Um, yeah, get out so there. Watch I Harley hope- Quinn. That's my closing words. Just watch it. Give it air. Give it. Give it. Give it some air. Put fan those flames. Fan those Harley Quinn flames. And I hope you ca- I hope you're ready to uh, peel back your ear flaps. <laughs> So we can talk. Hope you're ready to. So so we can talk about our second, um, second um, topic of the week, which is Lovecraft County. Uh, Lovecraft Um, Country. I think you'll find. Why do I keep calling it county? Because it is because it would be much better if it was called Lovecraft County. I think that makes a lot more sense than Lovecraft Country, but. there's a reason why they call That's it the, that. Because the very first episode, they're like, we're going to go to Lovecraft Country. So, all right, cool. Yeah. Hence the show. And it's the name of the book that it's based on. Um, but yes, so Lovecraft Country is by a team up of Jordan Peele and J.J. Abrams, which I, I never thought this would happen. <laughs> never in a million years. Jordan Peele and J.J. Abrams doing a Lovecraftian horror styled in 1950s segregation America mm-hmm. with an almost all black uh, protagonist cast. Yeah, this is another show following on from Harley Quinn that's like, what? <laughs> Where, where's this come from? <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, and, well, first things first, uh, I'm quite enjoying it so far. There's only two episodes been released, but yeah, I'm on board. How about you? I'm on board. I'm on board. The two episodes I've seen have been really good and they hook you in. Um, one of the problems I have with a lot of like uh, of modern HBO stuff mm-hmm. or HBO style stuff that that style of big bombastic drama is that it's like it gives you six episodes to get into it and you have to commit. Yeah, I don't want that. I, like you know, impress me, get me in fast, and they they do that in spades. Episode one starts strong, it gets right into it. Excellent. Just hits the ground Full running. Intrigue. Eh? I mean, with just just seeing Lovecraft, Jordan Peele, J.J. Abrams, I was like, yeah, okay, sign me up, yeah. man, I'm in. I'm, I'm here for that. And it's cool um, that it's not an interpretation of... It's not a direct interpretation of a Lovecraft story. It is a mm-hmm. world uh, much like the hit film Inkheart starring uh, Brendan Fraser... It is a film where Lovecraft's writings are in fact real. Uh, they they weren't just stories; they were like little true writings that he based off reality. So this world is is not set in the Lovecraft universe. It's set in a universe where Lovecraft was basing his writings on reality. Is that accurate to say? That's the best way of describing it because a lot of people who I've been discussing this with get confused. So they're like, "Oh, is it set in in Lovecraft universe?" And it's like, "No, well, not quite, because Lovecraft actually doesn't exist in the Lovecraft universe. Mm. It's like a bit step beyond that." Yes, you put that perfectly. Cool. I was worried I was getting a little too uh, rambly with it, but yeah, cool. All right. 
So yes, so this is set in, like you said, 1950s segregated America, which, uh, yeah, first off, I want to say, like, a lot of this series is just white people being awful, which really does set the tone. Yeah, it's just people being awful to, to black people, which is, which is good to see, good to see represented, especially in, like, Especially in 2020, like, the, the the times we've had, ladies and gentlemen, it's cool to see, like, no, we're just going to address this. This was a shitty time to, to be a black person. You couldn't go anywhere and do anything. And it really made me think of, because I've still not seen Get Out, and it made me think of what you said about it, where mm-hmm. you shouldn't have to feel terrified for these characters. But you do, because of the times they live in. This is going to go badly for people. Not because there's monsters in the in the mm-hmm. area it's just because they are they are disliked by pretty much everyone which is sucks man <laughs> sucks to see it I think, but I'm really glad it's been it's represented in that way I think Jordan Peele is a master of using context to force you to feel empathy yeah um, and I, I I did it's the exact same thing I described in Get Out that's here it's why I shouldn't I shouldn't feel so scared. I shouldn't feel so nervous here. Mm-hmm. But because of the context that he's creating, because he's putting you in the shoes of a person that would experience this, then you feel that. And I think that's some of the, that. That's one of the things that it, it certainly get out did, and I feel this does as well. Is I mean to go into to go into the topic of like it's very easy to be a you know, a young white man coming from a semi-privileged background to feel impenetrable and to feel like, oh, why are you worried about stuff? Because, you know, the world's been built to make us feel like this. So his ability to make you cognizant of what people felt at that time and in these situations is just, it's mastery. It's a mastery of making you feel empathy. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it really... It just shows that people forget how how recent it was that things were really, really fucked up. I know. Segregation was within a generation. Yeah. And it was really bad. Really, really bad. Like so there's a there is a moment in episode two or one where they enter a sundown county. Oh, that's the first episode. Or yeah. sundown town. It's the first episode where the the sheriff basically threatens, he threatens the um, the group of the group of protagonists, uh, the group of black protagonists um, that they have to be out of the county be, before sundown, or he'd be forced to lynch them. Yeah, these were real. Sundown towns and sundown counties were real things. I know, and it's um, weird because like I wasn't really aware of any of this part of American history. Do you know? Yeah, me too, I, me too. So this was really... This show did a really good job of introducing the concept, introducing that part of history, and then saying, like, now we're going <clears> to... <throat> now you're going to follow some characters going through these struggles and problems, and we're going to present it in a way that makes you understand just how scary it was to be a black person yep. in 1950s America. Um... Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's exactly it, mm. and it's um, well, I'm just so impressed, and it's also like what I'm finding at this point is um, I'm almost like just enjoying the sort of two 
stories in parallel. I don't know how. So the, the sort of supernatural stuff and the sort of um, exploration of what real life, um, real life segregated America was yeah. like. Apartheid is apart. Do you call it apartheid? Segregated America. Segregation. Yeah. What that was like. <clears throat> um, and I don't know how these are going to interweave yet, but I'm just I am here for the show. It's 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 incredible to have these things shown to me so I can learn more about them. Yeah, definitely. It is doing both, um, as you said, it's doing both bits very well. When it gets to the super, when it gets yeah. to the supernatural stuff, it does it does have that sort of slow build Lovecraftian storytelling, where it's a bit of a mystery. And you're like, yeah. what is what is the monster here? What is the threat? Where's you know, how are these people insane? Have they are they seeing things or is or is the entity real? Yeah. Um, I'm interested to see where the series goes because it has very quickly been like, oh, it's a cult. There's a Lovecraftian cult now, and one of my criticisms of Lovecraft media is that it is you know media based off of Lovecraft's stories one of my things is that quite often it is too quick to get into the cultish uh, side of it whereas a lot of the impact of Lovecraft's writings is that you know you'd re- you'd reveal the horror at the very end of the story and you'd go oh it was that all along um, but no it's interesting that they've gone very quickly into episode 2 it's like no it's a cult uh, there's going to be some repercussions for what you've seen here uh so i'm interested to see where they take that in the next eight or so episodes you know that's interesting that you say that because i actually thought they were like the immediate almost immediately introduced the cult and then they immediately killed them all it was almost like right okay we're not doing that kind of story (laughs) well it (laughs) did feel like a lovecraft short story in one episode you know uh, it almost yeah, was like it was yeah, like cause I guess... it was like okay, so here's one story. I wonder if they're gonna keep doing like now. Here's another short story with these same characters, yeah. but there'll be a continuing narrative right the way through. Because that would be that'd be cool to yeah. see. Because I mean, Lovecraft wrote what like 60, 65 books. Yeah, you know, all of them like pulpy short stories. So there's a lot of bloody little things they could dip into. Mm-hmm. Oh, that'd be great if it was like. Each episode's almost like a Lovecraft one-shot, but having this sort of continuous um, journey of this, uh, you know, uh, road trip through uh, segregated America. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I'm really interested to see where it goes. I, I'm liking all the main characters so far. Um, I think there's yeah. a there's a risk a lot with these uh, with these ensemble casts, and especially when it comes to sci-fi horror television. Like there's a very there's a big risk for like uh, for the cast to just be pretty rubbish and for it all to be about um you know the special effects. I'm kind of thinking of Sci-Fi Channel stuff here. Like the tone of it does seem yeah. to be very Sci-Fi Channel, which there's a time and a place for. But I feel feel like HBO, especially having gotten J.J. Uh, Abrams and Jordan Peele involved. I think they're putting a lot of effort into be like, no, let's make this something that's actually good, you know? Yeah. Um, um, and just with you mentioning the cast, um, really good to see Jonathan Majors, who was in Last Last Black Man in San Francisco. That's the only thing I've seen him in. Thought he was fantastic. Okay. In it. So I'm very happy to see more of him. Yeah, good. And there's the guy who... 
I think was in The Wire, who plays the guy's, yeah, the yeah, main yeah, guy's yeah. dad. I can't remember his name. Yeah, I can't remember his name either. But he's very good. But he was great in The he's, Wire. He's very good. Uh, you know, I've never seen The Wire. I've just seen him play in parts since The Wire. But I've also I've always liked him. Uh, I just know him. I just know that he was in the wire, so that's how I refer to to people. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, so, hi. Good show so far. Uh, third episode's out so far. I'm gonna watch that after recording. I think I'm gonna watch that immediately after this recording. Um, for, sorry, my fi- my closing note on it actually, because we, annoying. We haven't watched enough of it to really know. There is still intrigue there, but final note on it for me is. Um, I was like, for a long time, I was like, you know, J.J. Abrams is like, it doesn't, I, I'm not really feeling his directorial style. You know, I kind of get it. It's pretty good. It's pretty Hollywood. Oh, you've blown up an entire town. There he is. There's my J.J. <laughs> <laughs> However, it's, it's, he's just a producer on this. So, you know, I yeah. feel he can have, he can dip his toe in and be like, actually, no, we're going to, we're going to explode things now. So, all right, J.J. Yeah, we need to, we <laughs> We'd have a, a ten minute explosion sequence. Yeah. Um Aye, but no, I'm interested to see where it goes. Uh maybe we can do some uh follow up next episode. Uh I would like to see some strong strong Lovecraft, Lovecraft country yeah. follow up. I, I I'm I'm here for that. But yeah, I hope it I hope it stays good. Um I think I hope it stays good. That's HBO have been panicking since Game of Thrones finished. Um, in terms of like, oh, we don't have a we don't have a big draw anymore, you know. People, yeah. we don't have we don't have something for people to tune in a lot. I'm not entirely sure Lovecraft Country is gonna fit that fill that Game of Thrones hole. No, I don't think so. But it st- certainly seems that since Game of Thrones finished, they were like, oh, get his dark materials, and everyone's been like, nah, fuck that shit. <laughs> I was like, okay, what about what about <laughs> Lovecraft Country? And I don't again like birds of like Harley Quinn. I'm not sure what kind of reception it's getting. I haven't really read much about it since it started. Mm. I don't know how generally people feel about it, but I like it. I don't know either. You're the you and my partner are the only people who I even know know about yeah. it. So I'm not sure. They about seem that. to be advertising it a lot, though. I've, I've seen billboards where it's like Lovecraft Country, mm. and then the, there's been a few. Uh, now TV ads, you know, popping up on Instagram, being Lovecraft Country is is out now. You can watch it. And I was like, okay, maybe people, maybe they're pulling people in, but I don't know if Lovecraft, the word Lovecraft, is a big enough draw outside of mm. pure nerd Nerds. patter. You know, like us. Yeah. <laughs> um, and even then, it's like I don't. I think the image of the image of Lovecraft and then like two black main characters, I was like, "This is interesting," because <laughs> I because I know how xenophobic and afraid of everyone Lovecraft was. I'm interested to see uh, how they take this uh, theme. That's kind of what drew me in, if that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. I was, I have to say that that's that immediately interested me too. Because I was like, Lovecraft, but with black people, he hated. He hated them. Yeah. <laughs> he said some really bad stuff about them. He'd be spinning in his grave. <laughs> it would be. That's good. He should be he spinning should be. He grave. should be fucking shaking in his little boots. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, because like reading... Because I, li- I do enjoy the odd Lovecraft short story to myself, but you'll be reading through it, or in my case, listening to Audible on some of it, and like some, some stuff will come up and you're like... 
Ouch, mate. That's uh, it's not aged well. I don't think it even probably aged well at the time it was written. <laughs> you know? Because yeah. it was pretty extreme. Um, to the point where it's like... How... Because there is because he's such a popular figure in pop culture, there's like video games and board games and comic books all based on the Lovecraft lore. It's I wonder how it's been real easy to forget all the kind of like um, all the xenophobia and the racism and focus on the otherworldly monsters. It's interesting how that's had such an impact that it overshadows like the negative stuff. Yeah, and I suppose this is an exploration of what what's been missed. And it, it I mean, it opens in the first in the first uh, episode. It talks about like what what's the poem? It's like uh, how how black people were created. I can't remember the exact the the, the title mm-hmm. of it, but it's this verse that Lovecraft talks about. Basically, just all of this racist stuff about how black people were more animal than human, and they were spawned and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but they they talk about that bang on like twenty minutes into the first episode, so um, it's like they're not shying away from that. And I feel that you're right in the sense that a lot of post Lovecraft and a lot of Lovecraftian media they kind of like to be like they kind of like to distance themselves from that and pretend that it's, it doesn't come from that that stock, but it does. It does yeah. because even Call um, of Cthulhu, like the like the fa- the most famous story, and the one that everyone kind of uh, draws inspiration from like the Cthulhu cult is is it's a it's a black voodoo cult in the Louisiana, in the Louisiana swamps and the way yeah. he builds horror around it is basically just Lovecraft being like aren't these these people are weird <laughs> I don't like them and it's like well you could build horror around that but you could put that I don't know it is is difficult and I I'm glad that there is now uh, a piece of Lovecraft inspired media out that take tackles this topic head on so no i'm just it's it's good to see it's refreshing you know i think you're right and yeah i suppose that that's um that's a good place to sort of sort of call it because we don't really know anymore i don't want to i don't want to speak much more about yeah, it and then be because my, my speculation we're stepping onto a rickety rope bridge uh, walking yeah. across, I think we've made it to the other side without saying anything too outrageous, maybe. But no, you know what? You know what? I've learned this year. It's better to just fucking say shit and get it wrong and be like, "Oh, I'm sorry. I generally didn't think that." Than to, than to uh, stay stay silent. Right? Is that that's the new message? <laughs> and on that new message, <laughs> <laughs> on that message, uh, go on. Um, Shall we, as we've made it to the end of the Rickety Bridge and got back into the vault? <laughs> I know, yeah. There's someone built a giant chasm outside We're, of our vault. How did this happen? <laughs> um, would you go outside for Harley Quinn? Yes, I would. I, I, I enjoy that, that show. I think a lot of the Harley Quinn attention has, uh, has proved very fruitful. Uh, she's been a very popular character in very recent years. And I think it's paying off dividends to have uh, to have a, a female uh, supervillain represented so well. Uh, it's great. And yeah, I would go outside for Harley Quinn. Would you? I would go outside. And to be honest, even even the fact that I think it's great that Harley Quinn is one one of the first good 
representations of a female villain, a first great representations of a female supervillain, first great representation of a of of a female hero uh-huh. in a lot of ways, um, and beyond all that, uh, 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 attached to all that, it's the first great representation of Harley Quinn. How many times have they got her wrong and they've made this and it's great. It's a great representation. True. You know, because her first um, appearance in the animated series, that's obviously the one everyone goes to. That's the first that's when she that's, came to be. I was thinking about Birds of Prey recently. I I did quite like it. It's pretty good. Better than Suicide Squad. Let's not let's not jump on that segue right now. <laughs> but yeah, no, this definitely does a much better job of turning Harley Quinn into an actual human person. Um, an actual human mm-hmm. person, which is the main thing. It turns all of the characters into human yes. people, which is shark men, clay men, plant ladies, all human people. At the end of the day, and <laughs> on the on the non-human side of things, I'm pulling this pulling this through, let's kicking, get, and screaming, let's get over this hump. Um, and to the, the non-human side of the spectrum, would you go outside for Lovecraft? country yeah no I, I i would i would go outside for lovecraft country it's proven very intriguing and interesting so far i like what they're doing with the subject matter i like that they're tackling lovecraft's uh xenophobia and racism head-on and they're doing something new and refreshing with the with the mythos uh both of our topics this week they're just refreshing takes on old ips and i really Really like it. Refreshing takes on old IP. That's well. That's a that's a title right yeah. there. Yeah, I'm gonna try and make um, our titles more uh, more clickbaity because I feel it's a lot better for our uh, for our uh, viewership. Um, and I, I I would absolutely go outside for for Lovecraft Country, but I will put a disclaimer on that. <gasps> I'll go out for the first two episodes, sure. but I don't trust HBO to keep it good. Oh, I just don't. Okay, yeah, sure, um, sure. So, it, it could, uh, that's why that's why I didn't actually want to say too much about it because first two episodes are great, yeah. but this could go so downhill so fast. It could get um, into trashy, tacky sci-fi very quickly. I hope it doesn't. You know, but I really hope it doesn't. But if they if they're not. They're treading the line so perfectly right now, mm. um, but it could really descend into some trash really fast. So, you know, we'll see how they land it. I think they'll, uh, to be honest, I trust it's in, it's in good hands. So I think it'll do well. So I'm gonna trust it. I'm gonna we're gonna check it back in though. We're gonna we're gonna make sure that we don't need to put it back outside. That's that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Okay, cool. So that's two for two. Um, how do you feel about having these multiple topics of the week? I quite enjoy that we have more things that we can talk about together. I like it, and I think these two actually worked quite well together. Sure. I think having a vague theme and keeping them sort of across the theme would be would be pretty okay, good. Okay, well, we'll maybe think about that in the coming episodes. I've liked that the last few episodes we've had multiple things in common that we can talk about. Um, in terms yeah, of I topics, like, like we have stuff in common, that's why we started a podcast together. But I mean, like in terms of stuff we've watched, it's not just me blindly t- rambling about Yakuza Zero for four hours, you know. <laughs> Whereas we can <laughs> yeah, both have I, a bit of input, be like, "I liked this." Well, I liked this, so you know, 
that's some behind the scenes stuff. I'm gonna I might cut this out, but yeah, I just thought I'd ask while it was on my mind. And friendship is magic. Friendship is magic. Don't even bring my little pony into this vault. It causes a lot of trouble. It causes a whole <laughs> heap of trouble. Uh, well, with that said, ladies and gentlemen, um, thanks for joining us for another episode of Don't Go Outside. Yeah, it's it's been a it's been a pleasure. It might have been a bit of a rambly one, but I'm glad we we talked about Harley Quinn a lot, which I'm really happy about. We talked about Lovecraft, which uh, uh, Lovecraft Country, which I'm really happy mm-hmm. about. Um, I think we had some good discussions, some good topics, some good stuff there. So, like we say at the end of all our episodes, sorry, like we say at the end of every episode, uh, don't go outside. Uh, yeah, don't go outside, guys, or some Lovecraftian DC monster might dehumanize you and turn you into a fake representation of a villain rather than a real representation of one. Shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> shit, shit, dog. <laughs>